0: Oh, lightning round questions. That sounds interesting. Mesdames et messieurs. the greatest festival of our contemporary society,
1: the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it. You can do it. Oh oh!
2: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But that is an Olympic champion. Ready. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for Olympics and Paralympics fans. I am your host Jill Jaris, joined as always by my lovely co-host Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you?
0: I'm having a barbecue.
2: Yes, it is Labor Day weekend in the United States, so we are taking a holiday and uh, from a regular show, but we're giving you a lightning round episode where we touch base with some of our past guests and hear how they answered our lightning round or
0: not-so-lightning-round
2: questions.
0: Yeah, sometimes our lightning round becomes like slow-rolling thunder.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's funny because people, when we say lightning round, they're
0: like, oh, And, and we have t- nervous. like we're going to expect them to answer quick, but it's really just, maybe we should change the name because we're scaring people. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> I do, I do, too.
2: <laughs> Some people answer quick. Ken Hanscom, he was all right on it.
0: Right, and some people go off on stories, which is the best, which yeah, is our favorite kind. Right. And we have some storytellers today.
2: That's right. First up, we've got Joe Malloy. Joe is an Olympic triathlete from America who competed at Rio 2016. And uh, last year, I talked with him when he was in Cleveland for the uh, triathlon U.S. Triathlon Age Group Championships. Take a listen.
0: Lightning round.
2: Quick, we have a little lightning round. Sure. Uh,
1: First memory of the Olympics as a
2: kid. First memory. Honestly, I
1: think it was Michael Johnson's gold shoes in Atlanta. Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. That's a good one.
2: -hmm. Uh, Where's your participation medal? For the Olympics? Yeah, you get one. I know it's a participation medal. I do, I (laughs) do, and
1: in a Tupperware bin somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't I, nowhere special. <laughs>
2: you know, it's funny that they give those out. You know, in a way cuz when I talk, when we talk to people it's like, "Oh, yeah, it's, it's still not not the best.
3: Yeah, should, not the metal you want." Exactly.
2: What is your favorite training exercise?
1: Oh. Um I would say an open water swim.
2: Yeah. Mhm.
1: I love getting out in nature and uh, open water swimming in particular. I like the way it, it puts you into the wild Okay. and you're just you, you, you swim out 300 yards and it's mm-hmm. like you're in a different world it's quiet it's you're not in control mm-hmm. and you have to accept that and I think there's just there's this peace that I feel when, when I just am able to let go like that and just truly experience our world like that so. It, it's
2: follow-up to that though, but like open water swimming, ocean versus lake. What kind of things do you have to keep in mind?
1: Well, obviously there's, there's generally more things in an ocean that are uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. Um, you have more waves, more currents, more sea life. Um, but generally the rule of thumb is just keep your head above the water you gotta you know you gotta keep floating keep breathing and make sure you step back on dry land afterwards
2: that's pretty simple yeah All right. um what sport would you do or coach other than triathlon or any of its elements
1: oh good question um hmm how about surfing? Cause, oh
2: yeah, now you got that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd coach surfing because it's a, it's it's a great laid-back vibe, and uh, I I I really I really like coaching things where they're uncontrollables, okay. and I think I think this notion I think there's there's a perception of sport as being something that that we do when we have we have total control over what we're doing. And, and there's an element to that. You're, you're in control of what your body does. But in a sport like triathlon or, or any endurance sport or a sport like surfing where you, you, you kind of need some things to go your way as well. And you, whether they go your way or not, you got to make the best of the way things work out. Okay. I just think there's listeners smarter than me could probably put a life lesson to that. But I just think there's something cool about that. And, uh, and, you know, I think, I think in, the, in the grand scheme of things, how fast you race a triathlon or how well you surf a wave or how far you can hit a baseball, it's really not that important. But what is important is the way it can bring people together and the way it can help, you know, what, what message do you send when you're out there, men, women, children, old people, um, people with different skin colors, as you, all competing and chasing the same goal, and you're using each other to do it. You're 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 out there with one another, helping each other, encouraging one another. Um, I think that's sport at its best. And um, and you know, there's there's definitely an element that we can't control to any of that stuff, but there's also a whole lot we can control and um and i think the more we can focus on what we can control and trust in the things that we can uh i generally think it works out so
2: and last uh what's your favorite olympic souvenir
1: i don't know if this counts i got this before the olympics but it's still my favorite it was a little coffee mug that i got uh We went to Rio in 2015 as a test event, and at that point I hadn't qualified for the team. But I drank coffee out of this mug every morning, and on the inside of it, it had the Olympic rings, and I had to look at that every morning and just know, okay, this is what you're working for, this is what you're chasing today. So that's still my favorite coffee mug. I think I'll go with that one.
2: Nice, excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much, Joe. I just, I loved listening to him again when I was editing this.
0: Well, this was fun for me because I was not there. I did not get to meet Joe. So when I heard this, it was the first time. Mm. Me listening to it, which is great. And, and it made me kind of mad that I wasn't there.
2: Someday. Someday we'll get all of the Shook list on together.
0: I know. And now, because Joe, since you've, since you interview him, he and his wife had a baby. So the baby can come too. And She's gorgeous. Oh, my God, is she gorgeous.
2: Next up, we have Dr. Claudia Reardon, who was our expert on ADHD, and we talked with her about how that affects elite athletes earlier this year. Take a listen to her lightning round.
0: Lightning round. Let's do our lightning round. Okay, so trust me, these are not hard. Uh, And they're also not
2: lightning speed. (laughs) we will tell you that, too. Uh,
0: People are just telling us all these stories, and that's totally fine. So what is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid?
4: Um, I would, it's something to to do with seeing the torch. I can't remember which Olympics it would have been, but seeing that, that being run and then the Olympic flame being lit.
0: And what is your favorite Olympic TV moment?
4: Oh, well, that would be when my brother ran in the Olympics. If I didn't say Wait, that, I be, you know, outed from the family.
0: We missed this. Okay, so who is your brother?
4: Um, Andrew Rock. He ran in the, the heat of the four by 400 meter relay in um, the Athens Olympics. And his team went on to get a gold medal, so he's got a gold medal from the Olympics. Okay, kind of hid that under a rock. So, you know, the sad thing is I didn't even get to go to Athens to see him because I was a third-year med student on my surgery rotation, and I probably would have been kicked out of med school if I had tried to leave. Um, So that was my favorite TV moment because I had to watch it on TV.
0: We're just sitting here with our jaws open because you totally dropped (laughs) that bomb on us. We're like, I did not have that in my research. (laughs) You know, he's You know, my my married name is different than the last thing. So, you know, you couldn't have even researched
4: that.
0: So, you, Jill, you had something.
2: Oh, yeah. So one of the things uh, you also study is uh, the benefits of exercise to mental health. So how much or how often should people exercise to see some of those benefits or maintain them? (laughs)
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And what we know is we've got great research on how much we should exercise in order to optimize our physical health. So at least 30 minutes, you know, most days per week of moderate intensity exercise, we have much less less research on how much is optimal for um, mental health or psychiatric health. And it it does seem to differ depending on the type of uh, disorder or condition or symptom that you're talking about. So for example, even a five-minute bout of exercise is beneficial in the moment in terms of scores of depression, how sad you're feeling in the moment. Versus anxiety, especially severe anxiety such as panic attacks. We you know that um, higher amounts, longer duration of more intense exercise is required in order to get a significant benefit. So, 45 minutes of high intensity exercise, most days per week, is going to optimize people's management of their anxiety. And we do know in the last couple of years, there's actually a really big study of over a million people looking at overall measures of mental health and how much exercise um, is optimal. And that 30 to 45 minute timeframe was, you know, within the realm of the findings that were there. Um, And then there was an upper limit so that people who were exercising, you know, an hour or more per day actually suffered worse mental health. And you can hypothesize all sorts of reasons why that might be, you know, perhaps they were, you know, severely anxious at baseline. And this was, you know, an attempt to assuage that anxiety that was already, you know, really high, or maybe, you know, it's part and parcel of an eating disorder and they're over-exercising as part of that. Um, yeah. It could be a lot of different
0: reasons there. So I think I know the answer, but what Olympic sport would you do or coach? Oh, okay. running. No <laughs> running. Okay. Yeah, we're going to take running out of the mix since you are an official for running.
4: Oh, well, okay. Well, let's see. Then I would probably say basketball.
0: What position would you play?
4: Um, center.
0: Are you tall enough just, to be a center?
4: I'm, I'm, about, I'm about six feet. So, oh, yeah. Wow. That you're tall enough
0: to be a center. So we'll, we'll let you have a, tr- a, a track and field answer. So which event in track and field would you pick? 200-meter dash. That was my thing. <laughs> That's hard, because that's like an endurance and a speed event.
4: True, but it's not as hard as the 400 or the 800 or the 400 hurdles. I, I'd take the 200 over those any day.
0: And what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? Now, this because could be a much more interesting question than we thought originally, since you have this connection.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, my brother's been so kind and generous with so much of his professional running year, including Olympic gear. So I've got a pair of Olympic tights that would probably be number one on that list.
0: Okay, so what do these Olympic tights look like? Do they have the rings on them?
4: No, but they're, um, you know, if you you remember, why would you? I remember, you know, that what the um, Americans track and field uniforms um, looked like back then. So they're in that same style, red and blue with some silver sort of tape like stuff on the side very nice
2: (laughs) that is good thank you so much Claudia what I forgot that happened was when she mentioned her brother and we didn't know his name and he said have you been hiding him under a
0: rock and she didn't even say anything I know she let that go and I'm like, man, it was like a psychic thing. Well, I as I said to you, something that apparently I say all the time is burying the lead. Mm, yes. It's a phrase I, I use a lot. And some people in my life, like my husband, have been complaining, like, why do you keep saying this? Like what so I was trying not to say that. <laughs> because that would have been a <laughs> like, oh man, you buried the lead on that one. And so I made This very weird statement about you were hiding that under a rock only to find out she really was.
2: (laughs) That's right. Her brother is Andrew Rock, who we're going to hear from next. He was a gold medalist in the 4x400 meter relay at Athens 2004. Take a listen.
0: Lightning round. Let's
2: go into our lightning round. Where is your Olympic medal?
3: It is in a safe in my house, locked up. So, yeah, try to keep it on lockdown. So, bring it out every once in a while to to take a peek at it, and let my I have four kids, and so they like to take a peek at it once in a while too.
2: Did Did it ever go to show and tell?
3: <laughs> we actually homeschool, so if if they brought it to show, <laughs> show and, tell, and tell, they'd that. have to show their mom. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's like, I've seen have, that already. Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah, but they have they have told their friends, I think so.
2: <laughs> what is your first memory of the olympics from when you were a kid
3: uh i would say 1996 so I, I think i was maybe 14 michael johnson um was kind of maybe my track idol growing up and he i remember specifically when he broke the world record in in 1996 in atlanta in the 200 and ran 1932 i remember They were actually in a hotel, and I remember exactly where I was watching that, and I was like, oh, my goodness, that was just incredible. And so, yeah, so I I think that's when I really started, like, kind of following the Olympic sports and and following, like, who specific runners were. I mean, I remember other things from 1992 Olympics and um, even 88, like with Carl Lewis was somebody that I watched a lot when I was a little younger than, you know, 10 years old or whatever. And so so Carl Lewis and then Michael Johnson really, I think, kind of that junior high, high school age where I started really following him and got a couple of his books and read those. And um, and so, yeah, but 96, and of course it was in the U.S., so that was a big deal.
2: Have Have you ever met either Carl or Michael Johnson?
3: Yes, I actually have. Uh, I've, met them both Um, so I've met Carl Lewis at like a coaching convention because he's a college track coach as well and then when I was running professionally Michael Johnson was um, one of my biggest competitors was Jeremy Warner who I mentioned ran for Baylor and his agent was Michael Johnson and so Michael was always with him at these races and so I got to chat with Michael a little bit on a bus once and that was pretty fun for me so
2: What is your favorite training exercise?
3: I guess I just love intervals on the track. So um, I think my favorite workout is like 200-meter repeats. And so, like, um, we always did that when I was training, like 8 or 10 200s. Um, So I love that distance. I love that workout and love being on the track and running intervals. And that's kind of where my gifts are and my skill set, and I just kind of love doing that. I Yeah, did a lot of lifting as well, but I think – doing the intervals was always the, the my favorite part of training
0: i wish you could have seen jill's reaction to that not a fan of intervals
3: <laughs> no <laughs>
2: <laughs> interval day is not um, Sunday.
3: yeah that that was kind of the whole routine for four hundred meter running you're doing all intervals almost every day which is this i don't know i mean certain days are harder than others but i mean you get Get used to that part of the, the regimen. So,
2: what Olympic sport would you do or coach other than track and field?
3: Oh man, that's uh, that's a that's a tough question. But I, I guess I love downhill skiing, and um, I grew up skiing, and so I know that's a winter Olympic sport, not a summer Olympic sport. But uh, I, I do. I do love skiing and I took a long break from it when I was professionally running. So I didn't want to get hurt, but now my kids are in the skiing. And so we, I take them, um, I take them to Buck Hill and I live in Minneapolis area and um, Buck Hill is where Lindsey Vaughn actually learned to ski. And so, um, so we, we go there and I, I think that would be an amazing sport to be a part of at the Olympic level too.
2: And finally, Besides your medal, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir?
3: Let's see. Well, yeah, I have I have these pins from the Olympics um, that uh, you know a couple of the rings, and then I have one with that has like the day I ran at the Olympics, and um, they're actually you can you know you can trade people in the Olympic Village for different pins from different countries, and so I, I think they're unique because. You weren't in the Olympics, they're just nobody has them. And so I think it's just kind of a a fun way to kind of commemorate the experience. And I I love those, and I've got those in in the drawer in my house. And and so that, you know, I I love the like the USA uniform too. I think that's something that I really, really enjoy having and love showing my kids that stuff too.
0: Okay. I want to ask this because you have a fantastic name. And what was your track nickname?
3: Uh, well, I definitely think that people—I I think people didn't even think I had a first name because I was rarely ever called Andrew. It's just Rock. I mean, that—that nobody—I—I I, I went years without people thinking probably I had a first name. I'm like, you know, my name's Andrew, right? Like, it's not Rock, you know, but but Rock or. People call me rock star, of course, um, with that's an easy one to add to. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just that it's just that rock. I mean, people call me that all the time, so.
0: (laughs) See, I wanted to know if people would call you the rock. Oh, I've gotten
3: plenty of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten plenty of that over the years, too, so. And I think there's a comedian, Chris Rock, isn't there? I've been called Chris, and I'm like, yeah, my my name's not Chris, <laughs> it's, it's Andrew. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I've I've seen a lot, and, um, yeah, over the years. So and uh, I'm I'm definitely an Andrew, not an Andy. So and and so my friends are people who know me well. If they want to like push my buttons, they call me Andy, you know, and so...
0: <laughs> we would never. We, we might call you The never. Rock, but we will never call you Andy. We, we've learned Nick.
3: Thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> I just had to clarify that before, you know, you maybe you put... Hey, we spoke with Andy Rock today on that. <laughs> 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 so if I see that on your website or whatever, I'm like, like I specifically told them not... <laughs>
1: What did I do wrong in the interview that they're punishing me this way? Yeah, I guess
3: they, I guess they didn't like what I said. So maybe I shouldn't have recommended they work on their four by one exchanges. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if if we call you Andy, you're gonna make us do intervals. <laughs> That's, that is... That's right. <laughs>
3: Keep that, that in mind. mind. <laughs>
2: Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Andrew. Two references to Michael Johnson and his Golden Shoes. I know.
2: It was really kind of interesting to see how much he's influenced whole generation of people uh, with his results and his abilities.
0: Right. And I did not know that he was a sports agent at any point.
2: Right. And he coaches. And he's a track analyst for the BBC. And last year he had a stroke, which was amazing. He's been making a really good recovery, but... It's it's really something how anybody could be affected by stroke.
0: And it's interesting you say that because uh, Usain Bolt came out and he has contracted COVID. And it's, we think of these track athletes as these incredibly strong, powerful men. And yet things like COVID and stroke can hit them too.
2: Right. They are not as invincible as we make them out to be. For this period, you know, for the games. I mean, every, right. everything and gets I, ratcheted up that high.
0: Right. And, I you know, Michael Johnson has done a lot about awareness for strokes and mini strokes and, and what to do. And uh, Usain Bolt came out and was saying, you know, you got to be careful. He had a party without face coverings. He had a large mm, gathering. Yeah. And somebody came who was asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. And who knows how many of those people got infected.
2: So, well, I hope Usain Bolt doesn't have uh, a
0: bad case. I know. And it's nice to see Michael Johnson recovering with his golden shoes. I hope he still wears them. I know. I know. Just imagine walking into a meeting and the agent comes in with the gold shoes. I <laughs> can you imagine. Like, Don't wear spikes, spikes on the floor. <laughs> and how, is an, how are you going to argue with Michael Johnson as your agent?
2: I know. And he's going to work hard to get the best deal for you, too.
0: And who's going to say no to him? I wouldn't.
2: (laughs) All right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. If you have a fond memory of Michael Johnson competing, or you have an Olympic sibling hiding under a rock, let us know.
0: Absolutely. Email us at flamelinespod at gmail.com or call our voicemail hotline at 208 flame it we're flame alive pod on twitter and insta and keep the flame alive podcast group on facebook
2: we will be back next week with more olympic and paralympic stories as we go out to music by archdale thank you so much for listening and until next time keep the flame alive